Hello, everyone. Welcome again to our podcast, The Communication Solution. And we are the MI Guys, and we are going to be talking about one of the questions that have been sent in to us. Nice. So this is Casey Jackson. I'm Tammy Clay, and thank you for watching. Thanks. So today's question is, can you use motivational interviewing with someone that's depressed or with depression? Yes. Well, yes. The answer on the question about MI for me is mostly going to be yes, yes. <laughs> because I love motivational interviewing. Yeah. Um, so that's my bias, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think what's most accurate, and then we'll walk into the depression side, okay. what's most accurate to talk about is I believe motivation can be used with any human being on the planet that feels two ways about a situation or a target behavior mm -hmm. or where they're at in their life. Mm -hmm. So that that's just my my assessment or my bias. So what we'll, I'll start off with is if someone's depressed, can I assume they wish they weren't depressed? Probably. There you've got kind of Yeah. So they wish they weren't and they probably are struggling with that. Yeah. I, I like this question, so we're gonna walk through a couple different angles and it's partly I just feel lucky that I know a little bit more about this particular topic. I'm not an expert in depression, but I know enough from my background in the mental health world. And then some we had the neurochemistry behind it as well too. So I'll start with yes, you can use motivation with depression okay. with people who are struggling because there's probably evidence there. Mm -hmm. What you're thinking about strategically is, again, the same basic four processes, engagement, focus, plan, pursue. Now, let's, let's use that as a lens to walk into somebody that's struggling with depression. Okay. What's interesting about it and feels ironic, and a lot of people have a writing reflex too, is if you go deeply empathetic with somebody that's depressed, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing it deeply and authentically, mm -hmm. because most people hear that and they think, why would you ever say that to somebody that's depressed? I was going to say, because you can say some pretty intense feelings that they might be feeling. Yes. So I, I might say to somebody, if you're struggling with depression, and and we can differentiate that depression is on a spectrum or a scale. There's times, there's clinical depression, true clinical depression. There are times where a lot of us just lose our zest for life for just mm -hmm. a period of time. Mm -hmm. We're just like, I'm, what's the meaning of life? Am I just going through the motions? That is a form of depression. Mm -hmm. Most people think of depression as sad and weeping and suicidal, and that can be a version of depression. But more clinical depression actually has to do with losing meaning in life and just mm -hmm. so depressed that nothing, you're just not engaged in life anymore and don't feel like you have a place in life mm -hmm. anymore. That leans more into the potential for clinical depression as well, too. And what we know is there's neurochemical. Yeah. So I just want to lay all that out, and then we're going to continue to walk into it through an MI lens. So what I'm saying is it, it can sound counterintuitive to say, you know, more and more you're just finding that there's nothing to live for. You're really struggling to find meaning in life. Yeah. And you're thinking, they're already feeling that way. Why would you, you reinforce that? that? Yeah, yeah. Don't, why would you say that out loud? But when you, when you think about this, if we step back from our emotional reaction to it, think about what it's like to be inside their reality when you're depressed, you feel isolated. And that no one gets you. That's exactly it. And when you think of the core construct of MI, like I literally started off with at least the first three processes, you think engagement, focus, and then finding a way out of that, evoking a way out of that. Yeah. So engagement is to make sure somebody feels heard and understood. Yeah. Which is difficult, so what I want to do is I want to rescue somebody from their depression. I don't want people to feel depressed. I don't want them to be 
disenchanted, disillusioned, or yeah. disconnected from other people or feeling alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't even experience that. Yeah. So my reaction is I just want to risk you. Like, you know, people love you, Tammy. Like, yeah. don't you understand the impact you make in the world? And, like, we want to rescue them. The problem is we look at this from kind of that teeter-totter perspective that we have. Like, I started off this with, if there's ambivalence internally, the more I make a case that there's reasons for you to change, it forces your brain to go, Again, nobody understands why I'm stuck. Yeah. So it's literally, as I'm trying to jump up and down on this side of the teeter-totter, your brain starts to lean on this, scoot your butt further and further on this side like nobody gets me. Yeah. So in an MI perspective, what I want to do is I'm going to slide scooch next to you and just go, you know, people don't understand how difficult it's been. Yeah. And you really have a hard time finding what the point is anymore. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it motivational interviewing, but that's a core construct when we're looking through the process of an MI-based conversation. So mm-hmm. can we use it in, with depression? We absolutely can use it with depression. But that's not where we stop, it's just high empathy. We use the high empathy in any MI-based conversation, but specifically with depression, so they feel like somebody hears and sees and understands where they're coming from. Yeah. That's the first part. So the first part is, you know, you really feel like nobody gets where you're at. Yeah. And life's been way harder for you. Like, you can look good on the outside, but what's going on, on the inside, nobody understands how difficult it's been for you. And all I can think to myself as I'm hearing this is as a person that, um, you know, has family members that sometimes struggles with this, they're going to feel so heard and understood. That's that, empathy. That just that piece alone, they're going to feel like, okay, I'm not alone. Right. Which I think is huge. And here's and here's what's critical about it. That's the part you can engage with. We don't stop there. Yes. If you stop there then it just perpetuates it. That could be counterintuitive. Okay. To, that could be no. non-productive to be able to yeah. do that. What you want to do, which we know in motivation, is you want to start shifting towards the potential for change talk. So literally, if there's one side of the teeter-totter, which that feels like nothing's ever going to change for me, yeah. the flip side is you wish there was something to look for. You wish that you were kind of re-engaged in life like you did when you, like, you know, in, in your past where you were more engaged in things. Yeah. So I'm going to shift focusing on how they feel Towards shifting towards what they want, mm-hmm. but I can't. I need to watch my pacing because my desire to rescue them may make me want to rush the process. Ah. I don't want to rush the process. I want to give due diligence to where the stress and the frustration or the disconnection is, or the emotional apathy is starting to, you know, seep in more. I want to make sure that you do, like you said, feeling heard, or seen, or understood. Yeah. Once I spent my due time there, where I can see that you're actually feeling like somebody hears and understands you, then I'm going to literally think of rocking a car out of a ditch in the snow or if they're stuck in a ditch or in the mud. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go high empathy, but I'm going to try to get the moment the other way. So what I can say is, you know, and it's been so difficult for you, people don't understand that. You really wish people would understand you. Mm-hmm. You wish that there was a way to be reconnected with your friends and your family again. Yeah. It just feels like that's never going to happen. Yeah. And listen to what you say next. And whatever you say next is, if you say, people just don't understand it, I'm going to stay a little higher in the empathy. Yeah. And I go, but you really do wish they did understand more. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would life be like if they did understand if you felt like reconnected again? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try going on this side. If I get language from you that moves on this side, I'm going to continue to perpetuate that, try to listen more and evoke more of that, and reinforce that language. Okay. And so it's literally helping you rock through that balance of the empathy that you have, the ambivalence that you have and trying to move towards that direction. When you look at this structurally, it makes absolute sense that motivation can be used with somebody struggling with depression. Yeah. 
Well, and your target values can be different too, whether it's I, you, you want to be heard and understood or you just want to maybe feel better or you want to have more purpose if it's clinical depression. Yes. Um, you want to have more meaning to life. You can connection. use connection. You can use all those different values too to help them really focus on what they really want because most likely they're probably stuck in the trees too. I, exactly. I don't know, but I can imagine that that might be what's happening. Well, here's the thing I was saying about kind of the um, just experience that I have and just the knowledge that I have in working with people with depression, just from the clinical world that I've worked in before, is what we know is part of the insidious part of depression is it literally starts to consume itself. Mm-hmm. So people get depressed, they start to do things that actually compound their depression. So when people get depressed, they become less active. When they become depressed, they socialize less and they isolate okay. more. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And the more you do that, the more the depression starts to eat itself exactly and the spiral mm. starts. What's interesting about this is this is where you can actually use motivational interviewing, not only for the overarching process of dealing with depression, but this is where you can start to get into some specific target behaviors because what the research shows in terms of brain chemistry is it, the, the way that I understand my brain started to work this out with the, just you know me with yeah. visual pictures that I get in my brain with this is the pond becomes stagnant and the stagnant pond just starts to not thrive mm-hmm. what you start to do is if you do something with your emotions around depression mm-hmm. and there's really good research around this if you will do something with it it actually starts to cause a stream to happen and starts to clean out the depression and lose their chemistry so this is why talk therapy can be helpful. Literally doing something with depression, so just talking about it, ah. helps move it to a different part in your brain. It actually helps the process of neurochemistry adjust where it gets, and that depression starts to catalyze itself inside of you, and this is where you start to grind to a halt. What we Ooh. learn neurochemically, that if you do something with it, and why talk therapy can help. It's also why, and I, I think about this from all the years that I work for, years and years and years, almost decades working with adolescents, yeah. it's why they write such morbid poetry or depressing mm-hmm. poetry or songs. Mm-hmm. Because if you just write out or you journal, journaling is incredibly helpful because you're doing something with it. It actually changes where the depression and what's happening neurochemically for you. So if you just write it out, that can help. If you talk about it, that can help. If you exercise, that can help. So as long as you do something with the depression, but the problem with depression people don't want to do anything. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. So this is why you can actually use motivational interviewing to actually look at some of those target behaviors, some of those doing things get with. Get them to journal. That's exactly it. Get them to talk about it. Or... Exactly. It can just okay. be a process to think, how do I engage them in their own change process that yeah. helps them get to where they would ultimately prefer to be given a choice. So are you kind of taking them from sometimes pre-contemplation up to contemplation and preparation? Absolutely. Yeah, because I was going to say, some people wouldn't even think about, I need to do something for my depression. Some people, I don't know, but um, some people might just go, this is just it is, and that's my life, or whatever. And one of the most common things you hear, and you know this from knowing people in your life that have struggled with it, yeah. they know I should. Yes, yes. I know I should work out more. Yes. I know I should talk to friends. Yes. I know I should give you a call. I know we should hang out more. Yeah. I know I should give you a call when I'm struggling with some of these things. I know I should, but people that are really struggling with depression don't do it. And literally, the fact that they know they should is an indicator.
indicator of ambivalence. Okay, good to know. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. and, and this is that balance with if they, the change is that they'd rather be happier and healthier, like in the horizon they want to be happier and healthier, that's what they're looking toward, being happier and healthier, then we can have a target behavior like journaling or talking mm -hmm. to someone or getting more physically active. We can use motivational as well as a communication method to engage them in a behavior change process that's going to help them. And this is literally guiding a conversation when we look at through the intentions of yeah. motivational agreement, the five intentions of mm -hmm. MICA, is you guide a conversation towards this end destination where you can have these target behaviors and use MI. So you're using MI on kind of this meta level and you're using MI on a very specific micro level in this conversation at the same time. Okay. So for me, absolutely, you can use motivational expression. Very interesting. It makes me think too, when someone does decide to take some of those steps, mm -hmm. how important it is to not reaffirm it quite the word I'm looking for, but um, refocus on their values. There you go. Yeah, versus, because it's so easy to just say, oh, thank you for calling me. I know you've been having a hard time with that. Thank you for calling me. Yes. Versus, again, you know, <laughs> over a versus, um, versus, you know, it must feel so good to feel more, much more connected by making that effort to be a part of someone's life. Or, yes. Yeah. Just trying to take them back up to their values and what's really most important. Absolutely. And then evoking the change talk commitment talk to start to navigate move towards that direction. Yeah. This is really, really helpful. Yeah, thank you. Perfect, great question. Yes. Great question. Thank you for answering. Yep. Thank you for asking. Feel free to send any questions our way. We are always happy to answer them. Um, and we are the communication solution that we truly hope changes your world. Take care. Thank you. Thanks.